Here comes Schofield. Oh! Oh! Nastiness. Wait a second. Driving left, dunking right over Love. All right. Who can do it? Well, I, I do like length. That's what she said. He's got everything going early on. Okay. Schofield the theft. And look at the Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, still unbeaten in the Southeastern Conference time. Eve Pons broke his FaceTime? That's unfortunate time. Whatever time of day it is, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker, Grant Ramey coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio, recording this on a Saturday night, which is a little bit different, obviously. Changing up things a little bit this week, trying a different approach to things, I guess you could say. We, we both, Grant Ramey and I, both just walked out of Thompson Bowling Arena after Tennessee's top-ranked Tennessee's 73-61 win over the Florida Gators. A solid performance by Tennessee. Not necessarily a great performance, but good enough for the win. Grant, how are we doing tonight? I'm here. All business. All business as usual. I am also all business, as you can tell by the about four fingers of scotch I've got here in my left hand, because it's Saturday night and we're adults. We're releasing this on a Sunday morning, but we're recording it on a Saturday night. Rarely act like adults. Yeah, we're not going to act like adults, but we will try to try to be not like children, maybe like adolescents, young adults. Something in between. Something like that. And uh, also, heads up, guys, this is going to be... The uh, the podcast is going to be a little different the next couple of weeks. This will be, I'm not for certain on this, but I'm not sure exactly where we're going to record uh, next week's podcasts. We uh, we got some construction starting on Fort Rucker Studio here on uh, Monday morning. Uh, so it's going to be from somewhere in the house, just not necessarily in this room in particular. We are completely, we're getting the upstairs torn up, bathroom redone, new floors everywhere upstairs and getting a master bedroom rebuilt, uh, and a little bit of work done in the living room as well. So we are uh, love this old house, but it uh, is old, and uh, we had a, a water issue uh, that caused some damage, and we're getting that repaired. So we might be in the sunroom next week. We might be in the living room. might be in a sitting room, because this is a really old house. It has something called a sitting room. Uh, I'm not really sure where we're going to be, but I promise you it will not be in the bathroom, but it will be somewhere else. In this house. So. Is there a standing room? Uh, no, just a sitting room. Hmm. Uh, there's, no, there's no seats in the kitchen, so maybe that could be called a standing room. Is there a laying down room? Yeah, there's a couple of those. We even have a couch here in the office uh, to, to sit down. We might be up here next week. I'm not really sure exactly, but we will be somewhere, so the sound might be a little bit different, but we will we will work on that, and we will bring that to you. And uh, I will say quickly, again, shout out to my wife, who, uh, in the move of the century decided that she and her mother just had to go to Spain for like a week and a half right when this construction is starting, which is a power move. It's a power move to say, um, yeah, I'm going to go out of the country for like 11 days here, and you're going to be the one getting the house ready for all this and living basically with the construction crew during the day. So tip of the cap to her. Sometimes you just get outfoxed. And She's smarter than you. She outfoxed me on this one. So, And, and she does a lot of team mom stuff for... 
this site and for this podcast and for all of us. And so I'm very grateful for that. And I hope she's enjoying her time in Spain. I can assure you she's not listening to this podcast though. If she's in, if you're in Spain on a vacation or holiday as they call it overseas, and you're listening to this podcast, I, I don't know what's wrong with you. Now, if you just live in Spain, you're a Tennessee fan, you just live over there, you want your news, that's cool. But if you're on like vacation there, probably not listening to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast, but maybe you are. Especially if you're married to it. You know what I found out today also, Grant, is that there is a an account that does Tennessee news in French. Yes, I think that popped up around the time Eve enrolled. Yeah, so there is Vols France is the Twitter account, and uh, apparently it's existed, as Grant just said, for a while now. I didn't notice it until Good job observing uh, things. Saturday. Yeah, that was a really, really nice job by me, but... Uh, speaking of France, uh, before we get to recap from that Tennessee-Florida game, we should mention uh, the Frenchman on Tennessee's roster, uh, sophomore guard Eve Pons, who took a pretty nasty shot to the face, had some, uh, had a bit of a, I don't know if you call it a fracture or a displacement somewhere in one of those facial bones. Cheekbone. Cheekbone. Pretty high up on the cheekbone, right, too, right? right? Yep. So he has uh, had to go undergo some surgery. Uh, he was there dressed out for the game Saturday, obviously wasn't going to play. But Rick Barnes said they've gotten him, or they're supposed to Saturday, get him a mask made so he can play in the Darth Fulke mask there for a couple weeks when he comes back. But might be back as soon as the game against South Carolina on Wednesday. So uh, hope you're doing well, Eve. I know that's probably a very painful thing to uh, to go through, but uh, seems like it could have been worse, right? Russell Westbrook went through just about the same thing um, 2015 season, I believe, and he missed, I think, one game, and he came back with a mask. And there was a picture of it. With like a dented skull, it looking. looked like a uh, like a dimple on a golf ball, just right there in the side of your face. So yeah, that was an unfortunate uh, collision Thursday evening, Thursday towards the end of practice. But uh, that's what happens. Was it? I heard. Was it Fulky who got him? I uh, think so. I don't know. I just heard collision basketball play. What, I mean, I could just see one of those one of those pointy Fulky elbows. Bless his heart, he's all knees and elbows. All knees and elbows. And they're always flying every direction possible. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Tennessee. Uh, as it turns out, did not need Eve Ponds to handle the Florida Gators on Saturday. Uh, a bit of an interesting team because Florida is a team that has, in some places, it has all the pieces that you'd want. And, and, but in some places, it's just not quite good enough with the big men, not quite good enough at point guard. But everything in between, there's a bunch of good players and athletes there. Uh, but kind of an incomplete team, a frustrating team. I imagine that team should not be 4-6 and six in the SEC, but it is. Uh, that team gave Tennessee a pretty decent run for probably half of that game or so on Saturday in a sold-out, checkered Thompson Bowling Arena, Tennessee. In the end, uh, takes a six-point halftime lead, runs out, takes a lead by uh, 19 points there in the second half, and then kind of backs off a little bit, finishes with a 73-61 to win. Grant Williams scoring uh, 16 points to lead the Vols, 7 of 11, shooting 2 of 3 from the free throw line, 6 rebounds, uh, 3 assists. Uh, only one turnover, not not such a bad game for him. Another decent game from Jordan Bone, had 10 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists on 5 of 11 shooting. Levante Turner with 9 points, hit 3 big 3-pointers that Tennessee needed. Uh, Jordan Bowden off the bench, great performance again, 13 points, 4 of 6 shooting in 28 minutes, also had 5 rebounds, so he looked pretty good. Uh, Admiral Schofield, 14 points on 6 of 11 shooting, including 3 thunderous dunks that really kind of got the crowd going in that game. He also had six rebounds and two assists, and Florida was led from 17 points by a young shooter named Locke, who uh, is a pretty good shooter, five of eight from three in Thompson Bowling Arena. That's a, that's a, that's a pretty good performance there. And uh, the big man, Kavarius Hayes, uh, had nine rebounds, a game-high nine rebounds and seven points 
Uh, Kayvon Allen, who's been at Florida for 87 years, had 11 points on three or five shooting from three. And Jalen Hudson had a decent game overall for Florida. He's not been quite the player he was last season, but he had a pretty decent day Saturday, 15 points on five of 12 shooting. Grant, your thoughts on the game? It felt a lot like uh, the past few games where Tennessee uh, uses a run in the first half to kind of take control. I think it was 18-2 to against Missouri. Tonight it was 17-3. They play well for stretches, and then they kind of lapse a little bit and let another team get into it. Uh, It was... It was, what, 14, 16 lead point lead in the first half. Uh, they get yep. outscored by 10 in the last four minutes. Yeah, 14-4 Florida run. Uh, basically become allergic to throwing the ball in the post for some reason during that time. Uh, and it's a six-point game at halftime. Florida kind of hangs around a little bit. And then Tennessee, you know, Lamonte checks in and, and hits a couple big threes. And Admiral gets a couple big dunks. And uh, Jordan Bowden hits the three and gets fouled. And that's a four-point play. And suddenly it's a 19-point lead and Tennessee's cruising again. So, um you shoot 50%, you have more assists than turnovers, you you have a balanced scoring uh, night with four guys in double figures. It felt like, a lot like uh, the Missouri game. Uh, maybe they played yeah. better defense this week. Maybe they just played two teams in Missouri and Florida that aren't very good offensively. I can't figure out what Florida's trying to do offensively, but whatever it is, it's not. It, I, seem, it seems like Florida scores sometimes in spite of that offense. It seems like all this stuff Mike White is saying right now is all this stuff that Mike White was saying a year ago. Yep. He was talking about how frustrated he was a year ago with their team and what they're trying to get accomplished and how they can't do any of it. And, yeah, they look like a team that's – They need a point guard. It's like a – I mean, yeah, and it's like a identity crisis. I mean, Andrew Nimhard was a – if that's his first name, I might be confusing him with somebody else. No, I believe that is his. He was like a top 20 player, five-star kid uh, in this class. And and for him to struggle the way he has in two games against Tennessee, I assume that's how he struggled all year. I don't know his stats off the top of my head. Yeah, 38 minutes. He had uh, two points on one of seven shooting, five assists. No turnover, so that's good, but he was kind of anonymous. He might have been worse than that last year. I mean, he was the number 23 overall all player in the in the 247 sports composite. Uh, so that's not just us. That's everybody. Yes. That's that's ranking him that high. 6'4", uh, obviously a pretty good point guard prospect, but it's, it's – I don't, I don't know what Florida still is. Maybe they do the same thing last year and they figure it out enough to have a good uh, weekend in the tournament and go from there, but uh, for Tennessee, it's they just kind of handle their business. I mean, this 18 wins in a row – Program records, the longest win streak Rick Barnes has ever had as a head coach, and he's been doing this 32 years now. Yeah, he's old. 10-0 and 0, uh, in SEC play matches uh, the, long, the the best start in SEC play for Tennessee in program history. It uh, goes back to the 76-77 team. They just keep winning, and uh, it, it's leading up to that trip to Rupp Saturday night, and everybody's got that circled, and college game day is going to be there, and uh, it's eight o'clock game on ESPN, and it's, it's going to be number one versus number four, maybe. Probably, I would. I would say, I would say, I I, I would guess Kentucky leapfrogs right. Virginia, probably. And I think you have to worry about don't overlook South Carolina Wednesday night. They've proven capable because, of giving you a hard time. Right, it's a six thirty game. It's a Frank Martin team. It's never fun to play those guys. Uh, so, if they handle their business there, it's going to be a really fun weekend to kind of look forward to a huge game and see how this win streak can really be tested because it's been a while since they've played a team uh, ranked that highly. Yeah, and Florida came in and played pretty well early on. Florida, for all its frustration, defense, uh, offensively is a pretty good defensive team. They've played pretty good defense most of the season. You know, they're kind of a 3-and-D team. That's what they do. Uh, they came out and led for the first basically four minutes of the game. Uh, and then Tennessee kind of took control there right around the first media timeout and then uh, kind of went up and down, but never really relinquished that lead. So Tennessee, uh, I, I would say this week to me was kind of 
maybe I'd say workmanlike, I think is kind of a, a decent way to describe this week. Just kind of a, a veteran team. It's kind of like an NBA team in the middle of a season, just kind of, you know, one of those really good NBA teams that goes out there and does just enough to win a few games here and there. And mm-hmm. maybe they're not at their best, but they're but they're playing okay enough and they're good enough to overcome it. Um, but it just kind of feels like here's where I am with this Tennessee team. It, it feels like something big is coming at some point, whether that's just a huge good thing, like a huge offensive performance at Rupp, or whether it's, you know, a loss that you don't see coming. Just something kind of feels like it might be coming at some point with this team because it's kind of at that point. One eighteen games in a row, you know there's going to be some some low moments during a season, right? You know they're going to happen. And we all know Tennessee's – SEC schedule is is very back heavy, uh, very bottom heavy. The second half of it is a lot more difficult than the first half, and, and it's coming thick and fast now. Uh, after that game against South Carolina, which you don't want to assume Tennessee wins that game, but it should. Then it starts getting okay. Then you got Kentucky a couple times. You got LSU. You got at Auburn. This is this is when it starts getting thick, uh, and it, it feels like this team to me. I don't think it's an indictment if you're not playing your best basketball in February, because you want to be playing your best basketball in March, but it feels like this team's just kind of there right now. And that's good enough. I'm not trying to, to create some sort of controversy or say that the things aren't going well, things are going just fine, but it feels like there's more with this team and you wonder when it's going to happen. You, you don't want to think they've played their best basketball. I don't think they have. Obviously. Uh, I don't think they have. They've looked better at times for sure. Better defensively overall, right? And and they, but you, it's you can pick it apart. But I mean, you win eighteen in a row. You've won twenty two out of twenty three. That's that's a nice run. Uh, it's hard to do that in a game uh, as as parity driven as basketball is. Yeah, and, and Rick Barnes had guys like Kevin Durant and TJ Ford, and never won eighteen, right. nineteen games in a row. And this team will be remembered for what they do in March because they're building up expectations that are unprecedented because they're doing unprecedented stuff. Yes. Uh, this is the best start in school history. You know all that stuff we talked about already with the win streak. Uh, but yeah, they can they can play better. And Rick Barnes talked about it after the game and said Friday night they focused on competition and you know when a ball's up in the air, who wants it most is going to be the guy that goes gets it and finishes possessions and and there's a next level they can take it to and it's it's on that next level. And they might have played better defensively this week. It might have been bad offenses they're playing. They played really good offenses. Uh, they they had really good offense last week. Uh, with 92 at South Carolina and 93 at Texas A&M. Yep. So they, they've shown they can win different ways, and they've shown that there might be some nervous moments in some of these games, but at, at the end of the day, they keep winning. Yeah, it feels like at some point, like I know that people are, are always kind of, you know, you get nervous, there's that old put your cup on for Tennessee moment, or when's it going to happen? But it feels like with these guys, I mean, they're going to lose a game at some point. I, they're, they're just, I refuse to believe they're going to go 18-0 through, through SEC play. But, you know, these guys just don't panic. You know, they, it seems to me like they have lulls in the middle of games sometimes, but they don't ever look really rattled. I, I think maybe one time, uh, I, I think there was the game, who was it in Thompson Bowling earlier this season in SEC play? Which game was it? Where to me, uh, they looked a little bit rattled. I'm trying to go back and jog my memory bank of what game it was. 
Um, I'd have to get the schedule in front of me. But there was a game a couple weeks ago where in the middle of that game, they did sort of look a little bit rattled. They had to come back and win the game. Alabama. Alabama, yeah, yeah. Alabama, that was the one where they, they looked – they got out in that big lead and then they just kind of quit playing and Bama came back in the second half and took the lead. It's like a 14-0 run or something that, that bridged halftime. Yeah, they looked really like out of sorts then. But but overall, they just don't look rattled. And, and Rick Barnes said these guys know each other. They, they've played with each other for so long now that they just kind of know where to go. They know how to feed the hot hand. And mm-hmm. you can see that, that teams are – you know, Florida tried like hell to keep the ball away from Grant Williams. They tried to not let Tennessee get the ball to Grant Williams at the elbow because if you let Williams get the ball at the elbow and face you up, it's two points. Mm-hmm. I've been saying this for two years now. It, it's, the, it's the next best thing you can get to a dunk is getting Grant Williams faced up one-on-one at the elbow. It, it's just automatic. Uh, and, and and they try to take away Tennessee's kind of gimme buckets. They try to take away, don't let them, you know, make them work to get the ball inside, make, you know, throw different bodies at Grant Williams. You know, they throw a guy like Kayvon Allen on in one possession and then a guy like Hayes on in the next possession. They were trying to – they were doing what teams do, which is try to throw fresh bodies at Grant all the time and, and give him a hard time. And they were having success doing that, but it's like Grant Williams said. He goes, you know, I can just, like, give the ball out now to Bowden or Bone or Lamonte – and there's not a weak spot on this floor right now. So if you want to double-team me, triple-team me, or, or, or Admiral, that's fine because I'm just going to get the ball to somebody else and we're going to beat you that way. So they have answers, and they can win games playing in different ways. And what I really liked hearing from Grant Williams uh, Saturday night after that game was something really simple that he said. He said, it's easy to kind of get numb to winning like this. Mm-hmm. And you feel like you're just kind of going about your business and, you know, you almost have to remember to get excited about this. Because, you know, he said we're walking off the floor today and it's like, hey, we won another game by like 10, 12 points, had, you know, but, you know, this has got to be fun. And you can't, you know, it's like he's trying to live in the moment as opposed to not remembering how fun this was until he's like 30 or 40 or 50 years old when he goes back and says, you know, man, that was really fun. That 18-19 game winning streak or whatever, that was great. He said that they're trying to live in it now. Stop looking at the scoreboard and and remember that what this team is is a bunch of veterans who really love each other and love playing the game together. Mm-hmm. And that when they go back to doing that, he thought, especially in the second half against Florida, they just went back to having more fun again and remembering that, hey, guys, this is supposed to be fun. Competing is supposed to be fun. And I think that when you are this team right now and you're in the, the middle of that streak that they're in, you can kind of almost get numb to winning. But, you know, don't do that. And, and I think Rick Barnes' message to this team was that you can play better. You can do more. Keep competing. Have fun. Enjoy competing. And it looks to me like if they'll do that, then they can just keep riding this wave. And it's not that they don't compete hard. It's just that they could compete harder, a little bit harder, or compete harder in different areas. Yeah. And, and, and succeed a little bit more. I mean, it gets to the point where, yeah, you could you could play better because you could be putting these teams away in the first half and not letting them come back. Uh, you could put them away for good uh, in the first 15 minutes of the game like they've shown they can stretch a lead uh, in the first 15 minutes. And, yeah, you're and they're right about the stuff that Admiral said about it's just kind of – it's getting to the point where it just feels like business and they're just kind of taking care of their business. They do need to enjoy it. I mean, Admiral talked about how this is his last year. This is – Kyle's last year it could be other guys last year uh, if if stuff happens and they decide to go pro and, and this team's not going to be this team next year it's going to be different and it's down to nine regular season games left eight 
They played year. 22, there's 30, yeah, eight, so eight games eight, left. Eight left. And then there's the SEC tournament, and then there's the NCAA tournament. So it's 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 approaching the final month, and, and you know, the, the win streak's great. Enjoy it while it lasts. Uh, but they can get better, and uh, it sounds like they know they can, and that's what they're pushing them for. Yeah, I don't want to say they're, like, intentionally not playing their best because they want to save that until later in the season. I, I don't want to – I don't want to say that at all, but but it just seems like, you know, Rick Barnes keeps saying this team has more in the tank. It has more to do. Uh, there's more it can do. Like, he, I thought it was interesting after the Missouri game where he kind of pointedly went right at Admiral Schofield and said, Admiral did not play well tonight. I don't care what the numbers say. Admiral did not play well tonight. Uh, he The kid worked, has worked so hard. I expect more from him than this. He needs to play better. And he's not afraid to do that. He's not afraid to go after these guys. He's not afraid to challenge them. So he didn't carry himself well. Yeah. Stuff like that. Saying that, you know, this is Admiral's last season, and I want him to get every bit of the work he's putting into this game and, and get that out of it. And he can do more. And I thought Admiral, uh, in the second half, in, in that Florida game, there are a couple guys, and I know that, that people get excited when anybody for Tennessee scores, but there's a different energy in that building when Turner and Schofield score i don't know what it is but when lamonte starts hitting threes mm-hmm. there's a different octave a different level different different sort of noise in that building and it, it's that way with schofield too those are energy guys they just get you going and that three that lamonte hit in in front of hayes face who's six foot nine got everybody going shot clock winding down he sets him up with a couple of crossovers and just creates sh- some space shimmies and, and just drills it right hits, in his- he's, he's always seems like it's always a big shot he's hit yeah, he, he is the killer on this team. He's the guy who uh, I still say if the game's coming down and you need a guy to take that shot, I know Schofield's shown he can do it. I know Williams has shown he can do it. I would ride or die with Lamonte late in games right. because that dude is the assassin I mean, go on back this to team. Rupp. Go back to Rupp last year in that shot he hit. Just, and he hits him with just no conscience. Just he, he wants the ball and he wants to get you in those positions. And I thought it's easy to, to break down some of the things that could be better because there are a lot of those things. But what I thought was big in that game was that Jordan Bone was just killing Florida early. And then he he kind of comes down, rolls his ankle a little bit, misses a lot of the rest of the first half, comes back in the second half. And you can tell he doesn't have that fifth gear he normally has or that sixth gear like, like sports cars have that can just run right by you. And he didn't have that. But he's grown enough as a player to where it was okay. He saw the floor, he saw what plays needed to be made, and he went out there and he ran the thing. And, and I guess that's why Mike White came out and said, hey, this is the best point guard in the SEC. Grant Williams came after the game and said, I, I've always called Bone one of the best point guards in the country. Now I'm going to say he's the best guard, best point guard in the country. And I, I don't know that he is there, but he is getting closer. And I know he's had a couple more turnovers this week than normal, but when you look at those numbers and you watch the impact he has on the game – He's having a just a really, really huge season for Tennessee, and this kid looks like a guy who's going to get paid to play this game. Yeah, I think he's uh, – w- one of the biggest jumps for this team, obviously, is their offensive numbers and the rate at which they're hitting shots and the rate at which uh, they're they're having balanced scoring nights and, and getting so much from so many different guys night in and night out. But I think it really – Another reason for the biggest improvement in this team is Jordan Bone and the way he runs the offense, the way he picks apart defenses, the way he uh, can kind of take on the mind of Rick Barnes on the floor and kind of get that stuff in motion before Rick has to tell him to get it in motion. I mean, he took over huddles 
uh, in the final seven minutes at Texas A&M, talking to his teammates about yep. uh, pace of play, the score, possession, all that stuff, taking care of the basketball, taking care of the lead. I mean, Rick said everything I was wanting to say. Bone was sitting there in the huddle already saying it, which is obviously a huge thing for your point guard and your head coach to be that much uh, in lockstep. He defends well. Uh, he's he's not turning it over a ton. Uh, his assist to turnover ratio is probably three to one, something like that. I can't remember what it is. And, and even higher in league play. Yeah, one of the best uh, ter- ratios in the league. And what this offense does when it's succeeding, it's because of him. I mean, other guys are hitting shots. Grant Williams is one of the best players in the country. Admiral's one of the best when he gets going. Lamonte Turner hits a ton of shots. Jordan Bowden can score in different ways. You know, you can go down the list. Uh, but Jordan Bone, nine times out of the ten, is the guy that's getting them started. Um, and kind of the gas pedal for this offense. And, and what he's done consistently, uh, as frustrating as guard play was last year at times, I mean, there were times last season where he was getting benched for James Daniel to yep. what he is now, uh, it's pretty incredible. And, and I, there's one more thing I wanted to mention before we, mo- we moved on here was, I, you know, it just hit me at times in that in in that game, and that, this is why I asked Rick Barnes about it after the game, when I asked him about Jordan Bowden, because now it, it, it's like – I think it's safe to say that for the first time in his career, Jordan Bowden has reached a point where you expect him to go out there and play well. You don't hope that he'll play well. You expect that he will. And the way that he is, I mean, this is a guy who for a lot of teams in college basketball could average 20 points a game because he has that ability in him. And now he's looking to get rid of the, you know, he he used to kind of catch the ball you know, he'd go back and forth. He'd, he'd swing it around a little bit. He wouldn't be aggressive. He'd look to defer. Now, every time he catches the ball, he's thinking, I'm going to score unless you stop me from scoring. And he only took six shots in that game. So I don't want to say it's like he's you know, obviously not hogging the ball. He's still being efficient. Mm-hmm. But just the way he looks on the court now, he looks like a guy who finally has reached that point mentally where he feels like, okay, I'm one of the baddest dudes on this floor, and, and you can't stop me from scoring. I mean, he he went up, and, and I think Grant Williams Grant Williams told me after the game, he thought that was the first time he'd ever seen Bowden dunk with his left hand. He said he's not even sure he's seen him do it in practice. But he goes up there for that follow-up. He's kind of not in the greatest position. He's kind of off to the side a little bit. And he goes over everyone, including Kyle Alexander. Reminder, Kyle Alexander, 6'11", whatever, 7'5", wingspan or whatever it is, 7'6", wingspan that he has. Really good vertical. And he goes over Kyle Alexander to get the ball and throw it down. And, and Grant said that that uh, he and Bone were looking at each other on the court like for a good solid minute being like, wait, did that really happen? Mm-hmm. Was, that, was that his left hand? Was that his left hand? Kyle went down the floor and he was still smiling on the defensive end like, holy crap. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's like this kid has – and it's kind of the story of Bowden's career. You know, he 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 balls out when he's in Knoxville for three years. No one really notices because Knoxville's not exactly known as a hoops haven for talent. So he goes to a prep school in order to kind of get some scholarship offers and get some looks. Uh, goes out there and plays well, has a big game against Oak Hill Academy that season. And he's kind of had to earn everything he's gotten. But he's always kind of been a guy who defers a little bit. Like, uh, I don't want to say he's timid, but he's okay being Robin. He doesn't need to be Batman. He's not one of those types of guys. He just, he wants everybody around him to be happy. He wants the team to win. He, d- he doesn't want to be selfish. Uh, he wants to be one of the guys. But I think we're finally seeing from him just 
I think he's kind of flipped that switch mentally because we've seen him do this for a game or two here or there throughout his career. But now we've seen it for so many games in a row, and he's really embraced that role of bringing energy off the bench, which was big, again, because Lamonte Turner was the guy bringing energy and points off the bench. Now Bowden's got to do that. And he's going out there and he's living up to that role. And I just – I think the future is incredibly bright for this kid. And I think him him reaching this level that he's reached now completely changes the way you have to respect and guard this Tennessee team. Yeah, and it's kind of what you talk about with him is kind of what you talk about with a lot of these guys of how they're changing the way you have to guard this team, the way they're changing – kind of the trajectory of their individual futures and what they can do uh, in basketball. Uh, Bowden just disappeared so much last season. Uh, he had a really good start to the season. Seemed like he played really well through December, shot a really good percentage. If he missed that first shot, though. From the three-point line. But, yeah, if he if he got off to a slow start or made a mistake early, missed a shot, it's kind of like he disappeared and you didn't recognize him or you didn't notice him the rest of the game. And And so many times this season he's hitting a big shot Either from the three point line, or it's it's a big drive, uh, and a dunk, or it's a to put back uh, like the like the dunk he had tonight. I mean, there's so many just big moments from him. And yeah, you're right. He doesn't have to be the first, second, or third offensive choice, and he's fine with that. He just wants to impact the game and and be the good teammate that he is, and, and then go dance afterwards, right? And 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 dance in the locker room and and have fun with it. But uh, what he's done, the the dunks he's had, the plays he's made, some of the shots he's hit, uh, he's he's one of the collection of guys that have transformed themselves in the last year. Before we move on and and, and end this thing by talking about some of the, the schedule next week and, and, and moving forward, I guess I should say this week if we're dropping it on Sunday morning. But here's what I'm thinking now. At what point does this Tennessee team have to keep doing what it's doing against pretty much all comers, against anyone who comes and plays against them, for people to stop thinking – this is not just a bunch of good college players. If they keep doing what they're doing and they keep doing it against whoever they come across in college basketball, there are going to be guys on this team, and by that I mean your, your Bones, your Bowdens, your Alexanders, who, who maybe you have to take another step back and say, these guys might be better pro prospects than they've given credit for. I'm not saying it's there yet. I think with Bone it is there, no question. But with some of these other guys – because, I mean, you can look at, like, Lamonte Turner's game and say because of his size, you know, and, and it's always going to be kind of hard for him because he's a better athlete than people think, but he's not an elite athlete. And, and despite all those great intangibles he has and that great competitive spirit he has, you know, he's kind of a, a great college guard who I think maybe can make some money playing overseas. But some of these other guys on this team, at what point do they have to keep doing what they're doing before people start going – Maybe they are better prospects than I thought because they're playing in a pretty good league. They've done this against the Gonzagas too. They've done this against the Kansases of the world, mm-hmm. uh, who was actually was good Kansas back then. They Louisville. have sort of fallen off a cliff now. Louisville, which is looking better and better in hindsight as a win. At what point do you have to say maybe they are better prospects than people thought? I think from a national standpoint, it would have to happen in March, and it would have to be a deep run into the NCAA tournament. Probably. Probably like a Final Four kind of run, uh, just because this is a no-name team. And when you're looking at them from a distance, 
when you're not studying them up close like we have for the last few years. You don't know who these guys are. You know Grant Williams is a really good player. Yep. You know Admiral Schofield makes a really good duo with Grant Williams and is a really tough, physical, yep. hard-nosed team uh, that can score in a lot of different ways and play defense. But you don't know you don't know Jordan Bone unless you've watched a lot of Tennessee basketball. You don't know Lamonte unless you've watched a lot of or Jordan Bowden or even Kyle Alexander. And Kyle's, Kyle popped up on a mock draft like two years ago to be like a second-round pick, and everybody's like, wait. Just depends on what day you're watching. Are you kidding? Yeah, and, and now he is. I mean, he's a guy that I wouldn't be stunned at all if he sat on the end of the NBA bench and had a really great career because, because there's so much ability right, there. Right, and he's just, he's just really starting kind of in the infancy of his basketball career. Yeah. Uh, and Jordan Bowden is, you know, a 3-and-D kind of guy who can hit a shot and play defense, and he's got the length and the athleticism to succeed at whatever level he ends up playing at. Lamonte turns the same thing. Uh, he can hit a shot, and he can play defense if he wants to. Uh, it's a matter of what kind of opportunities he gets. But from a national standpoint, I think they're going to have to turn a lot of heads in the NCAA tournament because I even think, and we talked about this maybe last week, uh, driving somewhere to or from a game, if they were the number one It happens seed, a lot during the season. If they so. are a number one seed in the tournament, they'll be the most popular pick to lose in the 8-9. Uh, like oh, God, yes. Half of America. Tennessee will be the trendiest upset pick. Uh, in the tournament, just because it's Tennessee basketball, they haven't been there. They've never been a number one seed. They've never had this level of success, this level of expectation, and they'll be picked as one of those teams that's prime for uh, an early upset. But that doesn't matter as long as this team just keeps handling their business, and they seem pretty good at that. Yeah, and, and I think you're right in terms of sort of the national perception, but what I will say to you now is that I think in terms of NBA scouts, that's already started to happen. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, if you talk to some of those guys, and I haven't talked to a ton of them this year. I've talked to a few of them. And I've heard heard one scout tell me there's no doubt in his mind that Cal Alexander is an NBA player. I've had another scout tell me, agree with what Jerry Meyer said, that there's no doubt in his mind that Jordan Bone is an NBA point guard for a while. And I know that that maybe that's – to the Tennessee basketball fan, that's probably not as important as like this team success and going forward. But I just think it's fascinating that we keep having this narrative of this Tennessee team is just a bunch of co- good college basketball players. And that might be the case. Maybe that's the case. But if they keep doing what they're doing against better and better competition, because of some of the, the upside some of these guys still have, I think there's a chance that there are more pro prospects on this team than people think. I just I think that's interesting because that would kind of upset the apple cart in terms of the narrative, but the narrative has been so fixated. And we're part of the reason. We've said this too. We have said this for a couple of years now, just a bunch of really good college basketball players. Mm-hmm. But the more you watch them, you go, maybe not. And, and you watch guys like Bone, who I don't know if in, in college basketball right now, I don't know if there was anybody faster with the ball in their hands than Jordan Bone is. And I don't care what level of basketball you're talking about, that speed speed translates. And he's not 5'9 or 5'10 either. He's 6'3. That speed, that athleticism translates. Guys like Bowden doing what they're doing, 3 and D, Kyle Alexander with his immense upside that he shows you sometimes. I I think that's a fascinating discussion and one that – uh, we probably need to keep talking to more and more people about because I, I think that might that narrative might be changing a little bit. Uh, but before we get out of here, we will talk about the schedule going forward. As we've mentioned, uh, things for Tennessee this this schedule. You know, uh, you talk about 
for years with Tennessee football, it's always been the the front end of the SEC schedule is where you get most of your bangers, you know. Mm-hmm. And it, but with this Tennessee basketball team, it, it, it's quite the opposite. Tennessee has gotten what I think is a fairly favorable, and that's being kind, a fairly favorable schedule to this point. Uh, but you look at the rest of the way. I'm going to give you these final eight games that Tennessee's got to finish this schedule. Starts with, okay, South Carolina at home. Probably should win that game, right? So let's go to the final seven games. At Kentucky, home against Vandy, rivalry game. At LSU, at an Ole Miss team that has been ranked at times this season. Kentucky at home. Mississippi State, which has been ranked for a lot of the season, at home and almost beat Kentucky Saturday. Uh, And then finish it at Auburn, which, say what you will about Auburn, that's still a really tough place to go play. Maybe that team's a little – maybe not quite as good as it should have been. There's been some injuries, some other factors, but still a good basketball team. Everyone knows how good of a coach that is, and that's going to be a tough game to close the season at Auburn with potentially a championship on the line. Uh, There are some other games in interest. And they'll still be super motivated by having to share that championship last year, regular season championship. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. After winning the head-to-head. Now, it's interesting, though. There is a – across the SEC, there is another – a uh, really, really, really big game coming up this week, and that is Kentucky playing LSU this week, which is right now if you look at the SEC standings, you've got Tennessee unbeaten, uh, and then you've got Kentucky and LSU right there, mm-hmm. right behind them. Uh, they play Tuesday night in Rupp, and that is going to be a big, big game. Uh, if Kentucky wins that game, then Kentucky pretty much – if it – if it splits with Kentucky or splits with Tennessee and then Tennessee loses a game somewhere else, maybe at Auburn somewhere, you've got co-champions right there. Uh, it gets tougher. And, and I think th- this is going to be we, – we knew this when the schedule came out, right? We knew it. When the schedule came out, we saw this was going to be fun down the stretch. And that's the way the SEC set it up. And that's a respect. Yep. That's a respect to Tennessee and knowing – what they did last season and the team they were expected to have this season and kind of wanting to load up the last three weeks of the season with those juicy matchups yep. with the Auburns and the Kentuckys and Mississippi State was a good team last year and uh, LSU was on the rise and still on the rise. So I'll be surprised, honestly, uh, if they're still – if they go to Rupp and win, I don't know when this win streak's going to end. I – thought kind of candidly thought it was going to end at South Carolina the way South Carolina was playing at that yep. time and the way Tennessee was kind of that had all the hallmarks of a potential upset ho hum along and they went down there and, and rolled South Carolina uh, out of their own building and and uh, if they take care of business Wednesday against South Carolina and set up that 19 game win streak at Rupp and all that stuff that happened last year with Kentucky uh, that's going to be a really hard game to win uh, if they do that I don't know when they're going to lose that LSU game is going to be a really hard game to win because LSU's a good team. Obviously, you look at their record, uh, and it's an 11 a.m. local time start, which is just weird. Tennessee might have caught a break on that on one. A, well, I don't because know. Let me tell it you, could be a benefit or it could be a – I've seen over the years Tennessee seems to play really well in those earlier games. I've noticed that the past couple of years. And also, if you know anything about Cajuns – Yeah, that's right. If you're talking about a weekend morning with some Cajuns, whew, they're not going to be at full throat just yet unless they're still up from the night before. (laughs) So you're not going to get the full kind of Maravich Assembly Center. You're not going to get the full PMAC experience at 11 a.m. But when you look at this, interestingly, Kentucky schedule, Kentucky closes a big game against LSU on Tuesday. If they win that game, 
then Tennessee, uh, Kentucky's final seven games, Tennessee in Lexington, at Mizzou, home, Auburn, tough game but home, mm-hmm. Arkansas at home, yeah, at Tennessee, at Ole Miss, home against Florida. So Kentucky very – Kentucky might not lose, but maybe one or two more games tops. And, and LSU, I think that's more interesting because they, you know, the schedule wasn't quite put in place for LSU to be the contender it's been, I don't think. But but you look at that and you say, okay, Kentucky's schedule, not as tough quite as Tennessee's down the stretch. And then you look at LSU's and, you know, hey, let, let's just real quick, at Kentucky – at Georgia, home Florida, home Tennessee, home A&M, at Alabama, at Florida, Vandy home. So not quite as tough for LSU either. Tennessee probably has the toughest of the three mm-hmm. that are the real true kind of contenders right now. I mean, maybe, you know, Grant Williams was even saying that he thought some other teams could maybe step up into the picture or make it interesting. But, uh, you know, he might have been just trying to be polite there, not trying to kind of knock any right. other teams. But you know you got South Carolina there at seven and three, Ole Miss six and four. I, I mean you don't miss states down there too, I, I, and that's a good team. But mm-hmm. but not. I think we see now we see the championship race. Now Carolina beats Tennessee. Okay, maybe that makes it more interesting. But I think we see kind of the three teams jostling right now, and I think it's going to be a really 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 fun month. You know th- this is all those three teams are tournament teams. They're high seed teams. So and Tennessee right now should be thinking. You know, this season is as much about beyond the SEC as just oh, yeah. winning the SEC that's title. Was, that's what I was sitting here thinking of. Because Kentucky, as much as you want to repeat as SEC regular season champs, I don't think it's all that big of a deal if if Kentucky wins it. The NCAA tournament is it. the thing, right? And the and the SEC tournament to a to an extent is the thing. I mean, Tennessee got to the title game last year and 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 punched a little bit with Kentucky uh, before losing. Obviously, that was in St. Louis. This year, it's in Nashville. It's a different story. Uh, for the Tennessee fans that that want to want to be in attendance for stuff like that, uh, they're going to lose down the stretch. This this is too tough of a final three weeks not to lose. Yep. Uh, I don't think a loss would be the worst thing in the world for this team when it happens. Uh, it's been a while since they lost. It's probably would wouldn't hurt them to feel that feeling again. Whether it's uh, at Kentucky, at LSU, at Ole Miss, at Auburn, take your pick. Uh, you, obviously, you don't want to lose too many and. And start sliding the wrong direction, but I think a loss is going to happen at some point. Uh, I don't think it's. I don't know. You need to split with Kentucky. That's your your home and home left. You need to split with Kentucky. Uh, if you split with Kentucky and win the rest, you're winning the league. Right, and I think you need to split with Kentucky, and I think you need to look at LSU, Auburn, and Ole Miss, and you need to go two for three, if not three for three, over that stretch. Yep. And you need to give Miss State a good game at home or else they can sneak up and, and give you a tough right. game. And that's senior night and that's a 9 o'clock tip and uh, all the stuff that goes with senior night and all that stuff. So uh, just take care of business. And, and, and if they lose, then respond the right way. Uh, don't let one loss turn into you know, a bad week, turn into a bad two weeks, all that stuff, and start sliding the wrong direction. Because, I mean, they, they released the top 16 seeds Saturday afternoon. Tennessee was the number two seed. Uh, they were an A number one seed, the number two overall seed yes. among the top sixteen, and the the tournament committee basically said it's one and one A between Duke and Tennessee, and the only difference right now is strength of schedule. Well, Tennessee's stre- uh, schedule is about to step up a ton. Yeah, because D- Duke's went up a big notch with that win at Virginia 
on and, Saturday. And if they do struggle down the stretch, and if they don't respond well, and if they don't do a ton in the SEC tournament, and they go in as a two seed, that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world either. No, it's about the postseason. Right. Being a number one seed carries a lot of weight, especially for a program that's never done it before. But it also usually means that if you're if you're the number one overall seed, then you're going to get the best draw imaginable. Right. And then there's the whole discussion, would you rather be the last number one seed or the first number two seed? Depends on the geographically. I think that's as much important as anything. But, you know, that's that's a good question. And my, my final thought that I had before we get on out of here is, you know, there's no question about it, guys. Kentucky's coming. Kentucky, this looked like a team early in the season. Remember, supposed to be a top, you know, three team going into the season. Supposed to be, It was picked to win the, the SEC. Tennessee wasn't. Kentucky was, which I didn't agree with. But I, I, I thought, okay, I can see that because Kentucky does have talent. Uh, but that Kentucky team came out of the gate just got crunched uh, against Duke and, and struggled a little bit. But that that team has kind of quietly been building back from that. And this Kentucky team has just been punishing people lately. I know it had to go to the hump and kind of pull that one out late. But that Kentucky team is coming. But he, here's what's good about that. I think if you're a Tennessee fan, wouldn't you rather win the SEC in a year where there's a top five Kentucky team too? Doesn't that mean more? Because if you go back and, and you look at it and Kentucky's not having a Kentucky-like season, if Kentucky's sitting there 10th, 15th, 18th nationally, something like that, you know, just kind of eh, kind of in a transition year, didn't quite get all the one-and-dones they wanted the right way this year, doesn't it mean more to you that this Kentucky team is good now? Won't that make it mean more if you win the league? Because, you, you know, because Kentucky fans could always say, hey, you know, hey, Big Blue was down that year. That's how you snuck on in there. But if you go out there and do it in a year where they're good, I think it means more. I think you get more respect, and I think it's it's better, and I think it certainly makes these two gargantuan showdowns in the next few weeks really, really fun. Yeah, and the way – I don't think Kentucky beats you from the three-point line. No. Uh, I don't think traditionally they're a really good jump-shooting team under Calipari. No. And at the three-point line – A couple guys here or there, but not consistently. At the three-point line has been where they struggle – uh, Tennessee does defensively. Teams have bombed away on them a little bit. Uh, Ashton Hagens versus Jordan Bone is going to be a ton of fun. Those yep. are two really good point guards, and it's veteran uh, guy in Jordan Bone versus a freshman elite talent, Ashton Hagens. Uh, and then you get the really, really, really super, super, super duper fun matchup of Grant Williams against PJ Washington, which PJ has been the only guy. There have been two things in this league that have bothered Grant Williams since he's been in, in the past two years. One, Mizzou. They always seem to give him a hard time defensively. They do a really good job denying him what he wants. And then the second one is the Grant Stopper, which is P.J. Washington. And I know Grant, Admiral Schofield gives him a hard time when he sees him on TV. He says, hey, Grant, there's your daddy. You know, just giving him a hard time like that. But I, I think if you looked at it just from the past six weeks or so, you could argue P.J. Washington has been the best player in this league. He's rebounding at a higher level mm-hmm. than Grant Williams. He's scoring at nearly the same clip. Uh, he's been a really good player, and he's been a guy who has proven to give Grant problems. Now, of course, then you still got uh, Schofield and what he can do against Kentucky, and he gives them a hard time because they don't have a great matchup for him. But that's a really, really fun game, and and I think kudos to the SEC for making the schedule this way. I think it's going to make it a really, really, really fun couple of weeks. I still, my opinion has not changed. I say going into this season, I thought Tennessee would win the SEC, but I didn't think it would be you know, 18 and 0. Right. And, and I still believe that now. I think Tennessee, when the dust settles, wins this game by about, wins this league by about a game. It, but I don't think it's at, I don't think it's at 
eighteen and zero. I think it's a seventeen and one or sixteen to two, but I think it wins the league. But that that's again, this is all about postseason positioning now. That's the most important thing because again, right. Kentucky they don't even really care about SEC championships. They care about Final Fours and national titles. That's all they care about. You know, they don't hang banners for Sweet Sixteens there, and they'll tell you that. So it's all about what you do at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. But I think it's just going to be a super, super fun February and March. It's going to be fun, and you're going to know a lot more about this team after Auburn on March, whatever that is, 9th, yep. uh, when the postseason looms than you know right now, which is what you need to know. I mean, you have to answer those questions, whether it's good or bad. But what do you know at all, Grant? I know nothing. I understand nothing. What, what is it you said all the time? Opinions are what? Stupid. Opinions are stupid and overrated. It shouldn't be shared. Thanks that, for listening. <laughs> that's my job, though. I'll, I'll do that for you. I'll give you the opinions. Guys, thanks for tuning in. Uh, as always, uh, remember, rate this show. Don't just – I can see how many of you are downloading it. I can see that number. It's a good number. But we need more people rating it on iTunes, rating it in Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, all those places that we send it out. We need people to – We need people to go rate it there. That's going to help us out a lot. Uh, But thanks for listening. You can always find us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter, G-R-A-N-T-R-A-M-E-Y. Ryan Callahan's on Twitter at Ryan Callahan 24-7. And Patrick Brown is on Twitter at pbrown 24-7. And we've got a staff account there at twitter.com slash govols 24-7. We've also got a Facebook page that we're proud of. We've done a lot of work there. You can find that at facebook.com slash govals247. Or if you want to drink water straight from the hose, you can go to govals247.com. Always got good deals going on. You've missed one of the best deals of the year with the signing day uh, deal for the six months for one, but we've still got some other good specials going on now. And there's going to be a lot of stuff to go on. A lot of men's basketball, obviously. A lot of uh, men's basketball recruiting, which we didn't even talk about in this episode. But there's a couple of uh, another foreign player they're interested in that we've mentioned. But we've got stories on that on GoVoss 24-7. Uh, we've got women's basketball coverage from Maria. And that's going to be a really interesting time there with that program, obviously, right now. So plenty to tune into there. Uh, and always, all year long, Tennessee football coverage. Right now, big, big, big stuff going on. A lot of coaching stuff, transitions, uh, a lot of uh, new players coming in, a a lot of moves, movers and shakers right now in Orange right now. Tennessee's doing a lot of stuff out there in football that I think is really interesting. I think they're having a pretty darn good offseason, especially considering where they were. So GoVols247.com, you can get all of the information there. This is like this podcast, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Grant, any final thoughts? I got nothing.